Chapter 4. Your Leadership Diamond, an Overview As you're probably aware, diamonds didn't start off as diamonds. They were big lumps of coal in the ground, and with enough pressure on them, the coal transformed into diamonds. It's a process referred to as dissipative structures in Leadership and the New Science by Margaret Wheatley. I know you've had a lot of pressure on you over the years. We all have. We've had it since birth. Someone is good and someone is not so good. Your parenting, your siblings, your schooling, your country of birth, your ethnic background, your religion, your upbringing, your studies, your job, your relationships, your role as a leader from school to now, and the variety of good and not so good experiences along the way. Let's face it, you're no longer just a lump of coal. So how do you see yourself? Well, to me, you're a diamond. And no, I didn't say a rough diamond. You already have everything you need inside of you to shine. All the answers are truly within. You simply have to find them. You are the leadership diamond. This way of thinking about leadership is a radical shift from what we have been taught for years, that we are missing something and that that something has to come from outside of us that the name of the game is self-improvement. It feeds on what many leaders from frontline supervisors to CEOs carry with them daily, their own variety of no-goes, disguised in all shapes and forms and keeping them from being all they can be. Not good enoughs. The no-goes means they have to constantly prove themselves to their own bosses, their peers, their teams, and most of all, to their own parents, who in many cases may have left this earth years ago. Not that there's anything wrong with achievement, with striving, with going for excellence, but there's a big difference when doing it for yourself, for you to be all you can be and to be the best leader you can be versus trying to prove yourself worthy in the eyes of somebody else. The number of executives who are unconsciously trying to prove themselves to their parents, either present or deceased, is mind-blowing. Their victories are hollow and very temporary. Well, let's put an end to that way of thinking right now. The name of the game is self-remembering, not just self-improvement. I often suggest to leaders that they get an index card, keep it in their wallet or purse, or even better, make it their phone's wallpaper, and write these three simple words, I am enough. These words, if said often enough, especially while looking in the mirror and saying them out loud, can change your life. You have all the brilliance you need to shine already inside of you, just as the acorn has everything already within to be a grand oak tree, providing shade for generations to come. You simply need to add the pressure of nature, such as sunlight and patience. Acorn will do its bit. It has to, because it's a universal law. All that's required is to make a decision, like the decision Deborah, my wife, and I made about what school to send our children to. We looked at all the possibilities and finally chose the one that aligned best with our personal values and beliefs. It was Redlands in Sydney, Australia, and their school motto is, Let your light shine. Read those words again and say them out loud. How do they make you feel? Let. That's it. Allow it. Surrender to it. Yield to the universal power that made you who you are. Your your light, no one else's, not your parents, not your teachers or your CEOs, yours, light. You come into the world with unique talents to serve you and the world. This is your light. Shine.
not just flicker, but truly shine. Your light is your gift to the world. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. That's the decision you need to make right now to find your light and to let it shine. The problem is that after a while, if you're not careful, you can easily lose your luster. You become a flicker, not a flame. It's too dark to find your way. Well, that's exactly what this book is all about, helping you find or rekindle your luster. It's about polishing your own leadership diamond so brilliantly that you can't help but light up your room, your family, your team, your business, and the world. But there's a big problem. Sometimes it appears too complicated to get there. As I go about my work, I come across all sorts of leadership capability or competency models. Some are simple and elegant. Some are disastrous. Some you'd never remember in a month of Sundays with over 160 priority competencies. They're kidding, aren't they? Did you know that originally the word priority was singular? We didn't have priorities. And even if you could remember 160 competencies, how would you ever get around to doing them? In Marshall Goldsmith's stakeholder-centered coaching, based on what got you here won't get you there, and triggers, which we've integrated into our work at the Human Enterprise, he suggests you pick one or two key growth areas and work on them for a whole year. Yes, that's right, one or two. The results are outstanding. It's all about priority and focus. My point is that most leaders have little hope of having these competencies remain in their consciousness at all times. They become far too complex, far too overwhelming. That's where your leadership diamond comes in. We know you can easily handle seven facets, and so we've done just that. We've isolated seven areas for you to focus on, to polish, to give real luster to your leadership. Easy, simple, memorable, and powerful. Just as diamonds have facets or faces to the world, so do you as a leader. Unless all those facets are truly shining, you'll never bring your light to the world in the way in which you're capable. Leave off a facet or fail to polish it, and the full luster will never be there, bringing its sparkle to our world. As you polish one facet, you can't help but polish another. There are seven major facets of your leadership diamond that you need to polish, and there's a key principle for each. As simple as this model is, I can guarantee that from a long list of leadership competencies that many organizations insist their leaders learn, almost 90% will fit under these seven simple facets. They're simple, but not simplistic. Here are the seven facets and the polish principle for each one. Facet one, leading self, raise your consciousness. Facet two, leading one-on-one. Make real connections. Facet three, leading teams. Inspire collective commitment. Facet four, leading clients. Demonstrate heartfelt caring. Facet five, leading the organization. Foster seamless collaboration. Facet six, leading family and friends. Be their champion. Facet seven, leading community. Honor your calling. Throughout this book, I share seven specific techniques that align with these principles. There are many more techniques. In fact, at last count, we have 112 of them at the Human Enterprise. Yet I've chosen these ones not because they are the easiest to implement, but because of their ability to really have you shine in a short space of time, seven weeks or 49 days. See yourself as a diamond. 
embrace the principles and learn the techniques. There's one for you personally, four that are organizationally based, and two for your leadership outside of work. For each facet, there's a particular principle. These principles hold true for every technique, no matter what. But you can't do a principle. For each of the seven facets, there are specific techniques, ideas that need to be implemented. Each action builds on the other, as you'll see in your seven-week program. In fact, simply remembering the seven polished principles in and of itself will enhance your leadership effectiveness. Let's look at each facet and see why it's so vital to your leadership success. The skills, the techniques and ideas will come later. Facet 1. Leading Self. Raise your consciousness. As a leader, irrespective of your role in the business, growth has to be very high on your agenda. But let's look at where that growth comes from. Again, organisations don't perform. People behave. One of your key roles as a leader is to get people to change their behaviour, starting with your own. The genesis of all great behavioural change is self-awareness. You can't change what you're not aware of. If you begin each day with the intention of becoming more aware of yourself, you'll begin to change. It'll be subtly and slowly at times, but you will change. The buzzword these days is mindfulness. Every morning, set an intention for yourself as to who you wish to be as a leader. More assertive, more compassionate, more innovative, more relaxed, more confident, more humble, or whatever. Turn that into a specific set of behaviours. Then pay attention. Attention follows intention. Pay attention to your daily habits, to the way you greet people of the morning, to the way you start and finish meetings, to the way you manage time, to your energy levels throughout the day. Pay attention to whatever will make a difference in achieving your intention. Be more mindful. Start the way you want to finish. Leadership development really is an inside-out job. It starts with you being more aware. If you want to be a better leader, then you need to be a better you. In facet one, leading self, raise your consciousness, I'll give you the most simple and profound way to do this. Your inspired awareness will take you to a whole new level. Facet two, leading one-on-one, make real connections. The quality of your leadership is about the quality of your relationships. As Professors Goffey and Jones from London Business School say, leadership is a relationship. The quality of your relationships is dependent upon the quality and the quantity of the conversations you have with your people. I'm talking about all sorts of conversations, long ones, short ones, and ones in the corridor. Conversations about direction, how they can contribute, their talents, their needs, their skills, their skill gaps, their aspirations, and their personal goals and dreams. So many conversations during the year. Yet the key to all of these conversations, the basis of all great conversations and great relationships, is mutual trust and respect. It's not just getting them to trust you, it's also getting them to trust themselves. Trust that they'll have the courage to put the real issues on the table and trust that you'll listen without fear of retribution. The truth shall set you free. Trust doesn't happen overnight. Sure, sometimes people will grant you immediate trust as their leader, but that's rare. Irrespective of your title, you have to earn it. One of the best ways of earning that trust is to make real connections with your associates. That means telling it how it is, the good, the bad, and the ugly, yet mostly the good. 
The technique you'll learn in this facet says so much about you as a leader. It says you're watching. It says you care. And it says they count, that their personal efforts are significant. It's one of the easiest and powerful ways to bring to life facet two, leading one-on-one, make real connections. Facet three, leading teams, inspire collective commitment. As great as it is to have strong relationships with individuals, it's the power of the team that counts and the commitment your team has to each other, not just to you and not just to the mission, vision or strategy, but to each other. In our BEST, a team-focused leadership development program from the Human Enterprise, I talk about the four key ingredients that make up a high-performance team. It's what younger generations would call fully SICK, S-I-C-C. No, it's not a spelling mistake. It stands for Shared Purpose crystal clarity on where we are going, our mission, our vision of greatness. Interdependence, absolute surety around the way we need to work with each other, our ground rules, our protocols, our boundaries. Commitment to the functional or sectional goals. Brilliantly implement these goals as well as the goals of each individual team member. Commitment to each other as people. We should care about not just achieving team goals, but individuals achieving their own personal ambitions. For me, it's this last C that's the key. If you can get your individual team members totally committed to the success of each other, to have each other's backs, to genuinely yearn for their success, then just about everything else will fall into place. Anything can be accomplished. On the surface, you'd think that having a fully sick team would be easy. Ask most leaders and they will tell you a very different story. They'll tell you they have no trouble with Sharon or Peter personally as individuals. It's just the way they work with the team that causes them angst. So in many ways, you're like a theatre director. You have all this talent that left to its own devices may become divisive. Your job is to bring these individuals cohesively together as a team. As in a theatre performance, they need to not only know their own lines, but also have a solid understanding of the lines of the other performers. Why? To put on the play in the shortest time possible to the absolute delight of the audience. In your case, your customers. This will involve conflict. If you're leading well, it will be constructive conflict. If not, relationships will be fragmented and decisions will be far from optimal. To achieve this, you have to really have your team connect with each other. They must realise their collective power and the joy and achievement that comes from true collaboration and shared expectations. In Facet 3, leading teams inspire collective commitment. We'll give you a simple and profound process to do this. Facet 4, leading clients demonstrate heartfelt caring. Every leader has clients, either internal or external. Some even go so far as to say that their direct reports are their clients. This is especially true if you have the philosophy that Robert Greenleaf recommends in Servant Leadership and mentioned earlier in Chapter 1, where every leader is primarily a steward of those in their care. As Richard Branson says, clients do not come first. Employees come first. If you take care of your employees, they will take care of the clients. There are thousands of books on customer service and hundreds of models. And there are thousands of people all around the planet attending customer service workshops as you read this book. They'll be taught rapport building skills, questioning skills, open and closed, of course, handling objections, and maybe even closing techniques. But that's only a start. I'm not saying skills aren't important, but skills for the sake of skills, for the sake of getting the sale, no way. 
how shallow, how meaningless. We can get so hung up on the skill that we forget what's really important. Again, we marry the techniques and divorce the outcomes. The greatest thing you can do for any customer is to truly, genuinely care. Care about their issues, their problems, their challenges, and their organizational context. Care about them personally. See them as people, not someone to whom you can sell something. Forget about the sale. Yes, if you forget about the sale and are truly there as a trusted advisor, then nine times out of ten, you'll end up with it anyway. In this facet of your leadership diamond, we overview four different levels of needs every client has and how to graciously meet them. It's not because it's a great technique, but because you genuinely want to help find out what's important in their world and move them ahead in that world. Focusing on this facet will help you rekindle your love of customer service and the joy of truly serving. Your customers will get it. They'll see it in your every movement, hear it in your words, and feel it in their hearts, not just their heads. That's why this part of the business is facet four, leading clients demonstrate heartfelt caring. Facet five, leading the organization, foster seamless collaboration. Irrespective of your title or level, in order to excel as a leader, you have to be proactive, thinking about and implementing organizational change. Dr. Ishak Adizas, in his groundbreaking book, Mastering Change, says that managing change, or disruption, as it's now often referred to, is the role of a leader. Problems come from changes. Solutions are the answers to problems. But of course, new solutions bring a new set of problems. Therefore, leaders are primarily managers of change. Nothing will get you promoted faster than developing a reputation as an organizational change agent, a leader of change. Notice I said organizational, not just functional or team change agent. Senior leaders absolutely love those who, without prompting, are constantly looking around to make things better. As our world gets faster and faster, and as our customers become more demanding, and as things get harder, the natural default is to stick to your patch, your function, your section, your team. We hunker down, and the left hand won't know what the right hand is doing. If that's the case, we never tap into the collective consciousness, the collective wisdom of the whole organization. Solutions can become piecemeal, and a solution in one area without consultation can show up in another area as a problem. We upset people. We have patch fights. We become even more narrow in our thinking, more siloed in our behavior, and the exponential growth that's possible, the breakthroughs, the innovations never occur. It doesn't have to be that way. Your role is to get everyone seeing the bigger picture, to have everyone seeing that they are part of a larger plan, a whole system in which each moving part impacts other moving parts in the system. Context is king. You are one of those parts. This doesn't have to be through big organizational change projects. It's the little things that also bring us together and make us feel part of and connected to a larger community. It's amazing how identifying, prioritizing, and solving even the so-called small issues can rapidly transform your organization. The technique we'll be looking at for this facet is a way of thinking about your organization, followed by a series of questions. You can ask these questions in every one-on-one interaction, every meeting, and every chance you get for personal reflection. Start thinking this way and your impact on the total business will be outstanding. It's all done 
with a minimum of fuss. That's why the last of the organizational facets is facet 5, leading the organization, foster seamless collaboration. Facet 6, leading family and friends, be their champion. There is immense joy and sadness in the work I do as a transformational leadership coach. Part of that is getting leaders to see that they are so much more than just their job titles. I help extend their identity well beyond business. When this happens, they are unstoppable. Take great strength from nurturing of family and friends and become more balanced, energized, and effective leaders. Their energy goes out to excite followers to exceptional performance. That's pure joy for me. But sadly, this doesn't always happen. There are so many demands on leaders these days that your time never seems to be your own. Therefore, you often make commitments to everyone who asks, hoping and praying that the workload is just temporary, that it will lessen, that it will go away. It never does. We deny ourselves time with the people for whom we're doing all of this, the ones who love us, the ones who will be there long after last month's figures have been analysed to death, long after the settling of the new restructure or the recent merger, long after the relationships from work may seem a distant memory, the regret of not being there physically, emotionally and spiritually for the family will still linger. As I mentioned in the preface, I've experienced my own regrets when, as primarily an international trainer, I spent too many days away from home. Of course, the real sad thing is that in many ways, it's family you're doing all this for in the first place. Don't forget that. Yes, it's tough to get the balance right. None of us are saints. But in this facet of your leadership diamond, you'll be overviewing some simple ideas that just say one thing. I love you. I care. That is often all you need to remember with Facet 6, leading family and friends. Be their champion. Facet 7, leading community. Honour your calling. I've met very few great leaders who don't want to give back in some way and want to play a bigger game. They get the importance of success, but they want to also move to significance and make a real difference in the world. As one leader told me, there'll always be a bigger boat. The great leaders want to leave their mark on the world, or as Steve Jobs said, a dent in the universe. That universe could be global, or it could be a local school. It's still a dent. I recently spent time with the wife of an international hairdresser, who has 50 hairdressing salons throughout the world and 350 team members. I commented that her husband must be very proud of what he has achieved in business. She agreed, but also added he's proudest of what he has done for the industry and the lives of the people his creativity has touched. By globally raising the professional status of hairdressers, he's given a massive dose of self-esteem to so many, as well as hope and inspiration. He's replicated this formula around the world, the ultimate rinse and repeat. He's taking people to a better place. For this, he was given a form of knighthood in Holland. What will your life stand for? What will your legacy be? Who will you leave your mark on? We're all going to cry when we're born. How many will cry for us when we make our ultimate departure? And not because they're grieving for your loss, but they cry tears of joy for having known you and having been touched by your kindness, your compassion, your never-ending faith in them and the difference you made in their world. I don't know exactly what your calling is, but I know you have one. If you can combine this calling with what the world truly needs, you'll be unstoppable. You can wait passively until you receive some message from on high. You can learn more and more about yourself, your values, your beliefs, and your karmic destiny. 
or you can simply go out and start doing some good in the world. There will never be a right time or a better time than now. Make that time. That time is now. You have a calling. As I point out in Facet 7, Leading Community, honour your calling. Now that you know the facets of your leadership diamond and the key principle for each, here's a glimpse of the specific technique you'll be polishing for each facet. Facet 1, Leading Self, Be Present. Facet 2, Leading One-on-One, Give Credits. Facet 3, Leading Teams, Set Ground Rules. Facet 4, Leading Clients, Exceed Their Needs. Facet 5, Leading the Organisation, Think Whole Systems. Facet 6, Leading Family and Friends, Show Up. Facet 7, Leading Community, Get Involved.